Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, this is Ryan Fraser. This is Troy Daly. This is Gus Boyet. This is Don Hutchison. This is Jürgen Klopp, and you're listening to The Big Interview with Graham Hunter. Thank you, Jürgen. I travel to all these interviews from Barcelona and our socios, our beloved members, keep us on the road. This independent podcast wouldn't happen without them. Please go to patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter right now to join us, to become a socio and to get every interview we produce without adverts and before it goes out on the main feed, plus lots of bonus content, including the chance to put questions to our guests and to me via the monthly Q&A. You will also get bonus content every month, including the audio versions of my regular columns for ESPN. So do please go to patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter and join the club and get your family and friends to do so. Maybe even strangers in the street. Love you. Hi there, welcome to another big interview. It's me, Graham. Today, our guest is Uwe Rosler, who really needs no introduction to any Manchester City fan or those who were immersed in English football in the 1990s when he played for the team which is currently running away with the Premier League and playing football like, well, most of us have never seen before. However, in this chat, certainly part one, I was more interested in Uwe's early years in East Germany before the country was unified. He learned a lot of his football and his standards in the communist regime's school of excellence in Leipzig. And when he joined his first senior club, he was immediately under pressure from the Stasi, East Germany's state secret police. The anecdote involves a threat to his career and a Harley Davidson. This story that Uwe tells us is unlike anything you've heard from any of our guests on the big interview. Tales of life before and after the fall of the Berlin Wall from Uwe Rosler. In, in a time of, of fantastic success for one of the many clubs that you played for and one that you love and that, that the, where the fans love you, we're in a time of magical success for Manchester City. First of all, welcome to the big interview. Um, we're always proud on this series to speak to people who are characterful, who are successful, who are interesting, but above all, people we admire. 
And the three of us who set this up, we admire you for so many things that you've done. So I'm glad you've joined us. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Thank you. We are conscious you're taking time out of your role as head coach of Fortuna Dusseldorf. And I'm nearly, I want to share with you, I've nearly forgiven Fortuna for beating Aberdeen in the UEFA Cup in 1978, nearly. And this is maybe the last element that was missing. Um, Uwe, to, to let you know what, what we tried to do, across our series, uh, I think you're going to be the fourth or fifth German man that we've spoken to about their career. Uh, one was uh, Thomas Hitzelsberger, who ran away from Bayern Munich without Uli Hoeneß's permission to secretly go train at Aston Villa. Uh, one was Robert Hoot, who grew up in Biesdorf in East Berlin and was a little bit scared of the streets um, because there were some tough people around. So he took up judo and learned to be a judo fighter just to survive. Um, Mertesacker was another who did his civil dienst in a, a mental hospital and stayed overnight with the keys. And as a young guy doing his civil dienst was the, the guy in charge of that place and it formed his character. Not long ago in Berlin, I was listening to Thomas Tuchel speaking about when he was youth coach at, at, at Mainz particularly, and he said, I demanded the best for all my young players. They had to have the same treatment as the first team. Now I would go and change everything, he said. Young players don't get tested. They have no solutions these days. They're robots. Maybe you can see already where I'm going. In reading about your life, one of the remarkable stories was a test that you had to face as a promising young footballer, that even at 17, 18, you were important to your club and um, you were working in an environment you'd been prepared for through the academy system in East Germany. And, and people that listen to this won't know, although you've told the story many times, that the East German police, the Stasi, came to you and, and put one of the most difficult things that can be put across anybody, not just a young footballer, to ask to do a certain thing that is against your principles, that tests your morals and, and scares you, that puts fear in you. Please tell our listeners, um, take us back to the situation that, that happened to you and try and give those who are much younger than you, and I am older than you, but who have no idea what life was like in East Germany at that time and the test that was thrown at me by the stars. Yeah, uh, I was 18 years old, um, just was joining... The first team as I'm a first uh, professional contract um, uh, at the time with Lokomotiv Leipzig where I had my whole my youth um, um, done in a, in a very good environment um, highly driven environment highly performance environment uh, Lokom Lokomotiv Leipzig at the time in the year I joined them they had in the May they had the final uh, European Cup final against Ajax Amsterdam in the final, lost 1-0, Van Basten scored, and I joined two weeks later, their training session. So, obviously, that can show you there was a, a, a top football club run from the bottom to the top. What we had is there, we had uh, in very young ages, completely different than today. Everything was based on pressure, pressure and control. Uh, pressure means pressure to perform was the selection system. You, you were taking away... I was taken away when I was 11 for my parents went into a, uh, to a place where you, where you live, sleep, learn and play football 24 uh, seven uh, and uh, everything, everything controlled, everything 
managed uh, by the government. My parents didn't need to pay any money whatsoever for this elite school. There was an elite school and my parents and I'm by myself was really proud to be chosen to be on that school um, in my district where I come from. Uh, hundreds of kilometers there was nobody ever achieved that so it was quite a statement quite a privilege but to keep that privilege to stay there was from 11 12 13 years onwards pressure every year two three players had to leave two three players had to come in and um, so the whole system was run by by pressure from the top to perform to perform to perform so when you coming then to the top you did all my All my years, youth national teams uh, being successful, coming down into the first team. You can see your dreams now getting closer and closer to play for the first team in the highest level. And and then obviously then comes a phone call one day. I was supposed to just finish my school lesson and going for training. And then uh, the police officer said came to me and said, uh, somebody pick you up. I had no clue whatsoever what's coming. Um, outside the school, somebody came in, got me into a car, drove five, six, seven, ten minutes through Leipzig. Then we changed the car again into another car. Uh, then we drove another ten minutes, and then we drove in to an underground garage, lift up office, and two two guys were sitting there and interviewing me. Um, First, try to be quite friendly. Um, I thought something my dad had uh, was in a little village where he is. Him sometimes he had a, a good drink, so sometimes I was thinking he maybe <laughs> has said he maybe have said something. And oh my god, what's going on here? So no, they were quite friendly. And then the longer the conversation went, everything headed in one direction. They wanted to get me on the list of spying on my teammates. Uh, the first team they threatened me to have my career in their hands when I'm not willing to cooperate. Uh, they, uh, for them, it's pretty easy to send me to an army for three years with no football and my career is basically finished. And uh, and then uh, you as a young player, all what you knew was playing football, sleeping, learning and playing football again. And then you're so close and then they put you under that pressure. Uh, there was a, a mental, unbelievable situation and... I was not allowed to speak about anyone. Um, I opened up to my parents and my dad gave me the, the the right and the only advice. He said, the only way you come out of this, going to the head coach of the team where I just joined, uh, Hans-Ulrich Tomale. I went to him, I told him what happened. And after that, he solved all the problems for me and I never heard anything. I saw those people quite a bit to games. They were there. But I was very lucky to got off it with with having no consequence on my career. And uh, those moments, um, uh, I not wish anyone to experience because I didn't know how that would end up. At the time, you feel fear, not necessarily because of the men, but because of how hard you'd worked to be in elite company and the career was there. And the fear of having something that you treasure taken away is one of the most horrible feelings for any human being, man or woman. So you felt fear at the time, but if you try to think about that scar and how it healed, did that do anything to you? Has it done anything for you retrospectively in life about coping, about managing pressure, about threats? It's showed me that you have to, you have to share things to get over things. 
Uh, I definitely have learned that. Um, but you only you only can share things with the right people. And I was very lucky to listen to my dad, and um, and I shared it with the right people, and they helped me. And I'm very thankful for the for my former head coach uh, Hans Ulrich Tomale and my dad uh, that they gave me that advice and they solved the problem for me because uh, it's so many players and after the years after unification uh, got quite public how many players were born exactly in the same situation like I was and didn't do what I did uh, and um, I felt uh, I was very very fortunate and I'd never wanted to do anything to do with this my only wish in my life at that time was to play football and, and, and develop to the best I can be. And uh, that was that was my only wish. And God bless, I had the chance to fully fill that. One of the things when you told the story originally made me smile was this all had something to do with the Harley Davidson. And you mentioned a police officer, but nobody, well, most people listening, one won't know what the police officer was and how this kind of Spite too strong a word, but observer was a threat to how you behave. I know I'm being very polite in my word there. Was a threat to how everybody behaved because they were monitoring all the time. But it was part. Of your the difficulty was partly because the suspicions raised because of you doing an easy rider on a Harley Davidson in Sweden, if I'm not mistaken, right? First and foremost, I have to say every time we went abroad, um, already in with the youth national teams. Uh, you knew there were people in and around uh, the group, uh, either was the staff or either people who were traveling with you, who uh, had one job to control the group that nothing happened, you know, because the government invested so much, so much time, money, uh, education in those sports people. Uh, the last thing what they wanted is that they leave the country, you know, so... We all knew that we always been observed. We sometimes joked about it, and uh, uh, but it comes uh, my first trip with the first team. So I joined the first team uh, in the summer, and then we went uh, trained two weeks home in in Leipzig, and then we went to a trip to uh, Sweden. So and coincidentally, I married later on a Scandinavian girl. So, because I just remember it like it was today when you went to Sweden, I've never seen a country with so many colorful houses, wooden, colorful houses, one red, one yellow, one blue, one white. And in the East in Leipzig, everything was gray. So I was amazed about the colors and there was summer and there was the flowers as well. And I was like, we like Peter Pan in Wonderland. <laughs> so well, unbelievable. And so we had our training camp there, and then we got invited by the uh, by the local president of the team where we were guests, where we could train on uh, to a barbecue. And so we all joined them, and all those people behind was also there. It was a, a big gathering, and uh, the, to the bike. And at the time, I, do, I had the bike home in the east. So and uh, and I showed some interest. I bought around the bike, and the other guys was eating and barbecue, and 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 I was thinking I was just around that bike. And uh, and the guy said, "Oh, you want to have a ride?" And I said, "Oh yeah, yeah. Can I?" And he said, "Yeah, yeah, no problem. Take it." So I never thought about anything bad. Just went on the bike, rode the bike for ten minutes, came back, and that was the the biggest uproar you can you can imagine. That people was thinking I left the country, I disappeared. 
So I just had to ride around the little village and came back. Uh, and obviously then they was, I don't know what they put in my, in my papers, what was stored in the, in the ministerium. So, um, but that was my first incident. And I got a, a big wake up call from the police officer, what the hell I'm thinking of doing. Do you know, Vic, um, long before we come to the influence you've had on English soccer culture, which is big, I think it's worth me saying, we will spend all our time about East Germany, but it's part of your formation. And it's really clear that a lot of what you experienced then, and this holds good for Robert Hook too, okay? There was unification by the time he was growing up in East Berlin. But he talked about greyness, he talked about phone tapping, he, he talked about his parents being strong opponents of um, totalitarianism and, and being a, in threat, in fact, his father being detained. Um, it's really clear that you can number a lot of benefits and a lot of pride for what you experienced growing up in East Germany, no doubts about that. But we're 30 years and a little bit on from the wall coming down. We live in really troubled times across lots of parts of the world where totalitarianism, poor values are coming in everywhere. I wonder if you could find ways to sum up what it felt like when the two countries that's now Germany uh, unified, when when you suffered the shock, the change of what must have seemed a very extravagant Western lifestyle once West Germany and East Germany merged. Because you were, you were although you, you're, you're growing up places just outside Leipzig, you, Leipzig was one of the centres, particularly with the Monday demonstrations, of where an upsurge of public feeling influenced the government. It might not have been the only thing, but you were somewhat at the centre of a social movement, which is one of the most famous things in your or my lifetime. Definitely. I was in a training camp in Leipzig with the national team. We were preparing for the World Cup qualifying. On my first time with the A national team uh, against Austria, we needed a draw and we lost 3-0 because of all what happened. We completely lost focus. So <laughs> I think, I'm, first of all, I would like to say that looking back on my youth, looking back on my upbringing, I have to say, and I truly mean it, that without this elite school program I went through, I would have never had a career as a footballer uh, and as a coach probably because it shaped me also as a person and, and in my work ethic. I would have never come so far like I came. I have to say this, uh, uh, this elite school, there were years ahead of anyone else when we're talking about uh, taking the talents early on to the to a place design a system a school system around training that you optimize training sessions uh, then also a first class school education uh, we're talking about extra and special training session athletic coaches we're talking about technical coaches we're talking about maximizing the time for improving players that was unbelievable um, and we was we was years ahead of anything else at the time. What we wasn't ahead was, for us was in, end of, in the end, all about the collective, all about the team, was not about the individual because they needed to control the team. They needed to control the collective. And this is why in the, we had very good educated footballers. Uh, you could see that also in the years after unification, a lot of them went into the, 
national in the in the whole German national squad what was very difficult was 99 Germany won the World Cup they had an outstanding team so but what we was missing to fully fill um, as a as a nation as East Germany uh, more success in football because we we cooked in our own in our own pot so we uh, we didn't have the creativity as an individual to express ourselves and then the team would benefit from that Before the rest of this big interview, I'd like to tell you that our entire archive of audio and video content is now on our new YouTube channel. We've begun filming all of our interviews, and there are already loads of clips with guests, including Rio Ferdinand, Connor Cody, Brendan Rogers, and Jamie Carragher, plus full interviews for you to watch and to share. Please do share with friends. Go to YouTube and search Graham Hunter or click on the link in the show notes to this episode and become a subscriber. I honestly think you'll enjoy it. Thanks. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Okay, well, I'm sorry to come in, but you, you've intrigued me. Okay, I'll buy that in general, but the ones who came through, if you think about it, you're not some automaton robot. You are fiery and individual and different. The same must go for... Okay, but Kirsten, Samer, Balak, the ones who came through and really punched their way in Bundesliga abroad and for the Mannschaft... They had maybe the things you're talking about, the, the idea of the collective and the upbringing, but also the ones who came through, they were anarchists. They were powerful. They were noisy. But all names you just mentioned, there was all the younger generation. Don't, don't forget, I was 20 years old when that happened, or 21 years old. And Ulf Kirsten, Thomas Dahl, Andreas Thom, Matthias Sommer, Balak. Balak was even, even three, uh, three or four, four years younger. So we were still in the beginning of our careers, professional careers, in the start of our professional careers, we still had the, the ability and the, and also the time to change, to adapt quicker. But I'm talking about the generations of footballers before us, you know. And um, 
that has stopped the East German football to really flourish, I think. And uh, But you could see um, they have developed uh, very, very good players. And just the names we just mentioned, uh, there have been outstanding more players uh, in the history uh, after that uh, who played for Germany and had big success on all levels. The other thing that I was mentioning, apart from the credit to be given to each German system, was, was, was unification. I think outside Germany, it's associated with, with joy and freedom and a social power, social movement. But it was difficult. Like, for example, I'm interested in, in how you were treated. So West German footballers, I think there's an anecdote of you beating Bayern Munich, um, going there and winning with Dresden. I think it's Thomas Bertolt's sticking it to you all game and giving you grief. I earned this much, my car is this much, and, and you giving it back to him. But equally, an astonishing story of agents coming to be ready to pinch these German players, maybe even before the wall comes down. In, in 1989-90, football agents were still so quick, so avaricious. Did, what I mean is, for you as a footballer or as a German, try to give us a sense of the threats and, the, and the, the benefits of that era? First and foremost, when I talked about, uh, I need to clarify that, when I talked about the system, I just said, for me, what the system that I had it to chance to go to this elite school, I'm not talking about the political system. No, I know. What I benefit from, only purely of the ability and the chance to get giving to uh, develop under those highly performance environment uh, my personal career. So coming now to the point what you just mentioned, we were very young, or I was very young, and I, when I, uh, everything had happened very fast. They, we were in the training camp in Leipzig, uh, police officer told the national team players, uh, uh, tell, your, tell your family members, don't go out on the streets tonight. Tell your friends, don't go out on the streets tonight because there was a lot of players from Leipzig, Dresden, Magdeburg was where all people come from for the demonstration Monday night. We going in tonight. We going in tonight. Um, so boah, that was like big pressure to tell our family members don't go in. They had a, a ring around Leipzig where there was touch and go. They going in and uh, and and stop it forever for once. Uh, God bless. They didn't do it. You're saying it was a dangerous situation. Very dangerous situation. And we're talking about life-threatening uh, situation that the army uh, was was touch and go to go in and stop the, demonst the demonstration. So, so obviously then it was a peaceful revolution in the end uh, where we were unbelievable happy with. And uh, we just I saw a reportage about Gorbachev just yesterday. And um, uh, this man, you cannot highlight enough uh, how much he had uh, supported that uh, peaceful revolution. Uh, and uh, and then, obviously, you'll be young, you'll be 20, 21, uh, being, playing really well, being in the national team, being a top scorer, one of the top scorers in the East German League, played in Europe already, the clubs have seen you. And then from one day to another, the door opened up. And we are absolutely not prepared now as human beings what will, what will follow so agents were staying in in front of our hotel with, with the national team uh, 10 20 agents and try to get contact to the players um, i think uh, the, there was a story that the 
the manager from Bayer Leverkusen uh, was in 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 Vienna when we played the game was uh, sitting next to the where the substitutes were sitting and and exchange telephone ex- exchange telephone numbers and you had the, the they had the first they had the first uh, phone call made uh, contract wise we was officially we was amateurs so that means there was no problem after unification to to go without any compensation to as a national team player to uh, to the Bundesliga. Uh, so uh, wild wild times, exciting times, uh, crazy times. Sometimes also uh, you had it to learn very fast to survive. Uh, uh, but uh, I was very very fortunate to were young enough to experience a new life. We have uh, good sponsors who support us all the time. Bet365 have sent us a question in Uwe saying, asking you to name the highlight of your playing career. Now, it's your answer, but I suspect that choosing to be one of the uh, East German guys who stay with an East German team, Dresden, and being able to go to Bayern Munich and win 2-1 must be at least one of them. I was not a player who, uh, who won enormously amount of titles. So uh, or medals. Um, I think when you ask me um, what is your biggest achievement, um, I felt I wanted to play at the highest at the highest level in East Germany. I achieved that. I wanted to play for my for my country at the time. I achieved that. I wanted to play very early on. Uh, uh, I was very keen to play in the Premier League. I achieved that. Um, I think my biggest achievement, I think, is to be in the Hall of Fame of Manchester City because this club really, truly means something for me. Uh, and uh, as, a, as a foreign player, to be, to be mentioned with all those novel legends, uh, um, I think that is, that is probably my biggest achievement, that I left something there where I made people happy and, uh, and they still have not forgotten me. And that's the gateway into asking you about Manchester City, because obviously even those who are younger listening to this and have only seen good times know that there was a time when it, it wasn't so good. When you moved there, I think the first um, half season, I think you get about five goals in 12 games. Any striker is going to be excited about that. It's clear that, and we'll come back to this, when you chip Peter Schmeichel in a derby, all these things, it's clear why you would be popular and liked. But I'd like you to try and explain what was it about Uwe Rosler and the culture of Manchester City? Or the culture of Manchester. Where was the click? Because you're not just a, a sporting hero. You know this. You're a cultural hero. My opinion is perhaps you stand with Dickov and Kinky and the GOAT. For guys who were fighting for us, City, when things were, were low. I don't know. What were the special ingredients in the love affair between you and City? First and foremost, uh, you could not compare... Uh, Manchester City in the 90s than uh, how Manchester City is now. So we were a local, a local club for Manchester today. Manchester City is a global club. Yeah. So when I joined Manchester City, there was a foreign rule. I think there was not more allowed than, than three foreigners. Um, uh, and we're not counting Irish, Wales, Scottish. There was, uh, they were, they were all allowed. So there was already, it was tough to get, to get one of those foreign foreign places uh, and keep that place, so that was tough. Uh, there was uh, more a national 
team than an international team. Uh, when I came over, I was very, very fortunate. I just joined Manchester City on the back of a long injury. Um, and I was on loan because the club didn't know what they're getting. I didn't know what I can expect. And obviously, uh, I just spoke to Paul Walsh two or three days ago. Uh, and we talked about our first two games together. Paul came at the same time like I do. And uh, the first two games, he played Sheffield United home. And... And Wimbledon home, two home games against probably the most physical teams you can imagine at the time. And uh, Paul, we are, Paul and I, we probably had uh, only one or two training sessions, and then we put together. I couldn't speak a word of English, didn't know anything about English football, and then we somehow we starting to work it out on the pitch. Uh, no coach told us. It was Steve McMahon told me on the on the tactic board a little bit. Uh, Paul Walsh told me do this. And somehow, in the fourth game, we started to scoring goals, and then we never looked back after that. But um, I was a, it was an amazing time, and what I felt was was a lot about the team, and that reminded me on where I come from, what I experienced on, because the team took care about the team, the players care about the players. They I couldn't speak any English, so after games they took me out with. I was just a disturbance for the players because I couldn't speak. I couldn't communicate. I was just a hang on, but they never left me alone. They never left me alone. On a Sunday, uh, eight, nine players played golf. They took me with, I drove the boogie and served the drinks. So um, they really took care about my, also my social life in the beginning, the club, uh, Francis Lee, uh, he has a son, it's called Gary Lee. Uh, he took care about me, supporting me with all practical things. Uh, what you had today, a liaison officer, that was Gary Lee, the son of the chairman. So I felt from the first moment when I joined the club, I felt welcome. I felt people caring about me. People give try to give me a chance. And obviously the atmosphere in, in the stadium, I'm an emotional, emotional person as a player, as a coach. Uh, I miss now, especially in Corona times, I miss so much the crowd. And looking back, when I joined Manchester City, the crowd at Main Road was something special for me. And I think coming back to what you said, why is those this relationship? Obviously, as a striker, you need to score goals. I think I did that. But there was many strikers who scored the same amount or maybe more. I tried to play with my heart on the sleeves. I tried to give what I have. I tried to be the best I can be on that given day. And I, I think I came across... That I do that, and I think the player, uh, the the supporters saw that, and they appreciated that in difficult times. That I gave, I gave it my best. Thank you for listening to the big interview. It's produced by me, which sounds egotistical, but it's also true. Graham Hunter and Backpage. Our music is by Beer Jacket. Who else? Editing by Charlie McGarry. Thank you to our hosts at Acast and our loyal sponsors at Bet365. We're also supported by our socios. Find out how to become a socio, how to support us at patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter. Here endeth the lesson. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured or tall. Whatever your next project... There's a spray paint pattern that's just right. 
Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.